0: Luke chapter 17. In light of our Thanksgiving holiday, I thought I'd give you a panoramic view of what the Bible says about Thanksgiving, and so I'm going to read this passage out of Luke 17, and then we're going to just dive into different themes of Thanksgiving throughout the Bible, and see if we can find an excuse to be thankful. Listen to Luke 17:11. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. If you read John 11, you would see that uh, uh, heat is growing against Christ, and he makes a last visit to the north in Galilee and Samaria. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, Have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Literally, it says your faith has saved you. And. Uh, It's an amazing thing. Jesus healed a lot of lepers. He healed a leper in chapter 5. Just one man. He touched him, and he was healed. The the only reason this story is he was healing a lot of people. This is just a brief story. It's the only one of the gospels that records this story. And its it's theme is not Jesus can heal. He's been doing that for three and a half years. It was to reveal the kind of response he got out of people that he did heal. He did all kinds. He raised the dead. He healed lepers. He healed blind. He cast out demons. Uh, On and on, the miracles were uh, too many to be told. But he makes a point here that these men who were social outcasts had no way back to family synagogue, or friends because of their leprosy. Uh, All of a sudden, they cry out, which was common to do, have mercy on us. I love the word mercy. It literally means to have pity on those suffering from some aspect of sin. I'm either sick because of sin, and I'm going all the way back to all sin and death came through the fall of man. DEATH AND SICKNESS IN THE WORLD BECAUSE, ADAM. WE BEGAN DYING. AND THEY CRY OUT, PLEASE, AT A GREAT DISTANCE, HAVE MERCY ON US. AND HE SAYS, GO SHOW YOURSELF TO THE PRIEST. AND THIS IS AMAZING. THEY OBEY DOING SOMETHING. THEY HAVEN'T BEEN HEALED YET, BUT ON THE WAY, AND ONLY ONE NOTICES, I'VE BEEN HEALED. THEY HAD TO GO TO THE PRIEST ACCORDING TO THE LAW. And he had to give them a write-off that you're free to go back to family, you're free to go back to synagogue, you're free to enter into the social life of Israel again because the stigma has been healed and cleansed and only the priests could give them, as it were, an okay. And they were taught how to examine lepers and how to uh, diagnose whether they were healing and non-contagious. So, they're on their way. This one man's healed, which seems to be the other nine were Jews. One is a Samaritan, and if you know anything about it, the only way that people who hate each other can ever fall in together is to have the same problem. They all had the same problem, so they didn't throw up a Samaritan can't be with nine Jews because the Samaritans were a half-breed race that... The conquerors from Assyria bred with Jews to break down the genetic line. So, the Jews saw Samaritans as a form of genocide against their race. So, they hated Samaritans with a great hatred. The Samaritans also were not orthodox. They only accepted the first five books of Moses. They didn't buy any other of the Old Testament. They didn't accept the fact of angels. They had all kinds of... uh, different teachings from Orthodox Judaism. So, there was religious rib, there was a racial affront in even forming the Samaritan people. But the least likely one, the Samaritan, is the one who comes back and he said, I just wanted to come back and say thank you. The priest you sent me to didn't heal me. The priest that I'm going to he gets me back in favor he gets me back in good standing with wife family and friends but you're the one that healed me and i've come back to say thank you and christ uh, no other miracle does he ever do this he said where are the other nine did i not heal ten of you where are the other nine and so if this parable and this true story if it's indicative, only 10% of the people whom God blesses and gives them life, breath, food, sustenance, even healing, ever return to say thank you. So, 90% of the people on the globe now have never said thank you to God for anything. Now, what's scary? is the most orthodox religionists of the day were the other nine. They were the Jews. They were the orthodox. They had the Psalms. The Samaritans didn't accept the Psalms. But only the Samaritan. He obviously was truly converted to Christ that day. He put faith in Christ. He acknowledged him as his healer, and he began to glorify God and to give him praise. Now, I thought we would look at several Uh, kind of a newspaper study. This is a topical study. You're not used to much of that. I want to look at several things, why we're told to give thanks to God. Then uh, we'll consider uh, when we ought to give thanks, who should be doing it, and then let's just consider some ways how you can give thanks. So, let's first of all ask, why in the world should I get involved and being thankful. Let me ask you this. Do you think ours is an age of thankfulness? I, I think what I hear is entitlement. I got it coming. Uh, you, I deserve it. Uh, you better do it. You better do me good. Oh, at Christmas time, couldn't you have done better? Uh, and, and you know, as children, we, we accept it as children. You could put everything under that tree but that one gun that they wanted. Oh, that one toy. We're talking about play guns here. Play guns. Uh, my, I got a grandson. If it's not a gun, he doesn't want it. Yeah, I'm glad he's in South Carolina. You can pack a gun back there. <laughs> they, they actually kill animals. They, they can hunt back there. Uh, go moving right along. This is politically loaded. Uh, but why? Let me just give you some reasons why why we are told to give thanks. Go with me to Psalms, of course. Okay, turn. Psalms is to the left in your Bible. All right? Uh, We have Pew Bible, turn, and you that have technology, turn there. Uh, Look at uh, Psalms 105, verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Thanks also means to acknowledge, to show gratitude, appreciation. So, it says, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of all his wondrous works, glory in his name. Seek the Lord in his strength. So, he says it there. Now, watch Psalms 106, verse 1. Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is bad. Okay? You caught it. Some of you awake. Good. I mean, if you just take the opposite, if God was bad, wouldn't that be a hard assignment to give thanks to someone that's been bad towards you? Imagine a boy trying to get along with a dad that he can never please a dad that gave him brutal spankings, a dad that always called him dummy, it would be hard to be thankful to that kind of brutal treatment. And here he says, when you come to your God, you don't have a brutal God, a God that has not been good to us. Give thanks because he has been so good to us. Then he goes on, for his steadfast love endures forever. And that is his Kesset love, his covenant love. He never, God is not a moody God. Uh, the gods of the pagans were moody. They were always thought to be angry or mad. You were always buying a, a, a favor, buying a gift. You'd even sacrifice your firstborn son if you could get the gods to give you a good crop, get the gods to give you fertility. That you were always trying to win a moody God to be favorable, not the God of Israel. This God is said to be happy. Did you know God is happy all the time? He says he shows his anger for a moment, but his loving kindness is forever. But let's go back to that happy. That's convicting to some of you. Uh, our God, is isn't moved. he stays happy. When you see the term, the, <clears throat> the blessed God, it's really saying the happy God, blessed at all times. God is not frustrated by anything going on in the world today because our God is sovereign. He has even made the wicked for a day to praise him. He's ordained every sparrow that falls. He raises up empires. He takes them down. He knows who uh, when we're going to get out of Afghanistan, and he knew the Pakistanis would be upset. Because the UN killed 24 of their soldiers, when have they not been upset with us? When do we get our boys home? I say, come home, come back where we love you, and you don't have to hide out in a cave. That's right. God is orchestrating history, and He's not wringing His hands about anything, about anything, because. He, even the near, did you know what? No sin will happen today without God's permission. You couldn't even have the strength, wouldn't even have the strength to do it if God didn't give you strength. God's got to give you enough strength to lift your hand. He said that in Acts 17. Everything that lives, moves, or has its being gets it from God. God was not even defeated nor surprised at the cross, for you did what my purpose ordained you would do." Acts 4, he says it over and over. We happen to be sovereignty of God people. We believe God is not a slave to his creatures, and there's something bigger on his agenda than making us happy, and that is making him happy. And he's made a plan that's gonna make him happy no matter what you do, no matter what you do. But when you get in touch with God, you may get a taste of some divine happiness, happiness that's not based upon happenings, but happiness based upon his character. So, he says to them, give thanks because of his character. Now, go over to chapter 107. Are you there? Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. And what does he say? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Whom he has redeemed from trouble. Now, he starts enumerating all the trouble they've been delivered from. Verse 6, they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he didn't hear them. Oh, he delivered them from their distress. He goes on, they said, in darkness, they had all, they rebelled, they spurned his counsel. Verse 13, they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. Verse 15, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. They ate all kinds of food. They became sinful, verse 17. 19, they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. You'd think God would get smart or we would get smart. God, they only love you when they're in trouble. They only want you when they're in trouble. Do you think that's changed? Do most people come to God when they get a brand new car? Is that what does it? I just feel so thankful I might as well become a Christian. Or is it when life of some sort or the other crowds them and the pain of God's pressures coming on them, I can't fix myself. I can't remedy my situation. So, pressure has been the great evangelist of most of us. When we realized our emptiness, that we couldn't cope in this world by ourselves. God, we cry to God, and he delivers us. But when God's not a sap, he's not a stupid God, he knows why you cry. He knows you're in trouble. But there's something about him that's reliable. He helps people that call on him for help. He delivers them over, and he keeps saying that. In verse 19, they cried, he delivered them. Let's give thanks for it, verse 21. Verse 22, offer the sacrifices of thanksgiving. Tell of his deeds. Verse 28, they were staggering like drunk men in all their problems. Verse 27, they cried in their trouble. He delivered them. Verse 31, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of men. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. Why give thanks? Because he's delivered you a thousand times over. He's delivered you every time you cried and asked for help. Whether it's health, finance, an answer to prayer, who knows the nature of all the things you call to him. I'll tell you, when your baby's dying and the temperature's high, And what the doctor says isn't working, you don't mind calling on a God that can deliver. And he's healed a million or more babies just today. Just today. You know, I never went to the doctor Harley, till I shattered my hip and had all these problems because my dad with five kids and an 800 square foot government house, we didn't have any medical insurance and we didn't go running to the doctor Every time we had pain, he grew up with Indians in Cherokee County. He learned how to be an Indian doctor. We had to be nigh unto death before he ever took us to a doctor. And matter of fact, we preferred the doctor to his remedies. They were severe. Ask my brothers. They were severe. But you know what? We did more than anything. We first prayed when the kids were sick. You first prayed. It's amazing how little you pray when you got Kaiser. I just better have a good doctor, and they better know what they're doing. You know what, you won't get well with the best of doctors if God doesn't heal you. God is the source of your life, the source of all healing. Nothing works for your good unless he works it for your good. And so, he says right here, yeah. uh, He said, we ought to extol him in the congregation. And then, just turn over with me all the way to the New Testament after Hebrews, a book called James. You know that her has got his name on this book. Don't mess with it. James 1, 17. Just trying to give you why we ought to praise him. Listen to this verse. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. I wonder why he said that. I think it's because they were deceived or being deceived. Every good gift and every perfect gift. From above. Thank you, Kevin. <laughs> I mean, is from above, and you thought it was because you were so smart or it came from your inheritance. Well, there's a lot of us never got an inheritance. Amen. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and in case you think that means the stars or some angelic being coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures." Um, No matter who you are, whether you're a believer or not, if you've ever gotten anything good in this life, the ultimate source is God. He said in Matthew 5, we ought to be good even to our enemies. And he cites himself as the example. For your God gives rain and sunshine to the good and the bad, to the just and the unjust. For God doesn't need an excuse to be good. He's just good. And he's good to those who say thank you, and he's good to those who don't say thank you. He says good to those who uh, love him, know him, and to those who don't know him. And so, why? Every deliverance you'll ever have, every provision you've ever gotten, everything good that's ever come to you has come from the Father above. He may have given it to you through family tree, through family finance, through whatever means your job, but ultimately, who, why did they hire you and not the other guy that was just as qualified? Why you? Why you? Well, when you get a divine perspective, everything good that we have received has come from a benevolent Father. It's come from above, so I ought to at least say thank you. Because I know where it comes from. And thank you for us is not a national holiday. It's a whole way of life. My, you know, what are you thankful for on things? Come on, I I need all eternity to say thank you. I can't just get it all said in one day. It's a way of life. I I can doubt that you're saved if you're not thankful. You probably know, know him and just trust that you will get to know him. Why should you give thanks? Uh, Let me ask you some questions. Uh, Do any of you have children? Did you know what? uh, The Bible says children are a gift from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is really God's doing. Even that illegitimate child that we call, that child out of wedlock, uh, that child that happened under dire circumstances, did you know life is a gift from God and that your very existence God ordained and spoke so that your very mother could conceive and carry you in a fragile body for nine months? Uh, You ought to be thankful you were born, that you had parents, and you need to be thankful that if God gave you any children, What a great trust. Not to entrust a car to you, but to entrust a life to you. Wow. It's no wonder we come out so warped when you think of the hands we fell into. Well, Well, I got good parents. Well, you earned them. No, you didn't. I could never thank God enough just for that Mother and dad of mine. I could wear you out and get quite emotional about it. Uh, you, you, you don't earn your parents. I look at Dave Smith back there. He, he's the honoriest guy in our church. And the only reason I love him is I know his mother. You couldn't, you couldn't have a finer woman. Elsie, Elsie Smith, one of the finest women God put in this church from its earliest days, did all of our... Does, will you do, Jane, she was a flower gal, and uh, a wonderful school teacher went to Israel with her. Oh, what a fine woman, had three sons and a daughter, wonderful woman. What can you, do you ever thank God for who touched you in bed at night? Do you ever thank God for the hands that rescued you? We've got those among us that were adopted. Thank God somebody stepped up. And somebody wanted to give you shelter and give you nurturing and get you to adulthood. Thank God for all those factors in our life. And hey, what about, does anybody, you don't have to answer this publicly, has God given any of you a at least half-decent wife? Don't answer. That's a, that'll kill you any way you go. Don't, don't even try to answer has God given any of you a good wife? Good wife. You know, you don't want to be like that golfer that uh, as the hearse went by and he took off his hat all of his buddies said, wow, what a gentleman that you would do that. He said, well, I should. I live with her 30 years. You know, you don't want to be that kind of a husband. You, you, I think you guys didn't get it, Jim. They're half mad over that. <laughs> Don't get hostile on me. I mean, the, the guy did take off his hat. Uh, man, what, would, what a difference life would be if you didn't marry right. Oh, yeah. yeah. If, you, if you weren't living with the right person, do you thank God for your mate? Don't, don't thank them yet. Thank God when you're alone. What you would be like had you not married the right person. Wow, I can't imagine not having Carolyn. We love this time this year because in my senior year of high school, I asked her to go with me December, 62, and uh, I would do it a 100 times over. What if I'd gone through three divorces like some have gone? People better than me have had their hearts broken over and over by the tragedy of Wilted love, disloyalty, and broken vows. It's no small thing. Just to take time to say, God, you gave me a good wife. And a good wife comes from the Lord. She's not just genetic product. She's a product of heaven. And uh, children are a gift from the Lord. Uh, When you just start to count your blessing, why? Who are you going to thank? Finances. He said in 1 Chronicles 29, it is the Lord who gives you power to gain wealth. If you've got anything, the Lord has smiled on you. He blesses crops. He blesses and gives us anything. Uh, I think work, crops, rain, sun, creation, on and on and on. Why we should give him thanks. Well, when should we be thankful? There are seasons, you know. There there are conditions to when we ought to be thankful. So, let's go back. Go back to Ephesians chapter 5. How many folks would like to go to a Holy Ghost-filled church? Okay. How many of you are Holy Ghost-filled believers? Well, one way I could take your spirit-filled temperature would be this. Look at verse 18. Don't get drunk with wine. You'll do a lot of crazy stuff. But be filled by, I take the with, by the spirit. And when the spirit is filling you, you won't ever sing. Well, I don't hear some of you. Uh, okay. Right there, uh, Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Have you ever sung songs to the Lord that nobody's ever recorded? And thank God they didn't. But it was your song, you know. And, and, and it, it, spirit control heart. Notice the content. See, the the content is we've got 150 psalms, hymns. It's hard to know exactly the different categories of what these are, because uh, they didn't have a hymn book back in uh, 50 AD. All they had was 150 Psalms. And spiritual songs, songs engendered by the Spirit, singing, making melody to the Lord with your heart. There's the real component. Your heart's engaged, then your mouth uh, does the best job it can. Uh, giving thanks. Always, always, and for everything, when to give thanks, always. And that is absolutely impossible. We thought the hardest part was verse 22, wives submit to your, we thought, no, 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 that's easy compared to this. Don't worry about being submissive. If you're not thankful, and don't worry about a husband being sacrificial. See, he's just taking out what are the byproducts, and how can you recognize a life being animated and empowered by the Holy Spirit? And he deals with very personal things. And the uh, it's a singing church, and when he tells you what they sing. It becomes a because these are plurals, and, and it's uh, thanking, giving thanks. It's a thankful. group of people. You know it's destroyed more churches maybe than adultery is griping. Yeah. Griping churches. Murmuring churches. Uh, Not, you know, where their theme song is where seldom is heard an encouraging word. Home, home on the range. No, no. Who wants to go to uh, a negativity incarnate church? No, 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 no. The church ought to be a place that's singing, music ought to some way, get it out. You don't have to be in the choir. Uh, There's a psalm here that we'll look at later that tells you about that, but he says when the Spirit is controlling and he assumes the church can only exist and continue to exist by the animating power of the Holy Spirit in us, Uh, We all have negative days, negative moods. We're we're prone to winds and currents and circumstances and hormones and paydays and non-paydays and sickness. We we have all that. It's a part of our humanity. And some of us were born more negative than others. You know, you you can't help it that you got the personality you got. Really, you can't. Uh, And you have to learn one of the first things in life is learning to figure out yourself. Uh, Figuring out that I, uh, like my, I'll pick on me. I'm a melancholic, really, by, it's one of the characteristics. So I can weep easy, I can emote, and go to the third heaven and crash on Monday morning. Carolyn, when she's moved, might do this. When I move, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I can be a mess. I have PMS, not her. By <laughs> personality, I'm much more uh, given to moods and uh, can be can be more inclined to depression, uh, low, that kind. Of, uh, uh, my wife, it, her people are a very steady Betty kind. They're not high, low, they just, and she tells me, when you come off your high, I like to talk. We like, you know, we need to do this. I, I love it. It's great for a pastor's wife because you can be an emotional wreck in the midst of ministry. You have great Sundays. You have great weeks. you got low weeks. You have weeks a lot of people die. Uh, you've got weeks that you wish some, you, you have different things. <laughs> you, you, you know, you have all these moods you got to deal with. I never finished that line. You guys have an evil mind. You ran there. You, you filled in the blank. I, I don't give fill-ins. I, I'm trying to get you spiritual. But give me thanks always for everything, and then you're submitting. So when I'm giving thanks for everything all the time, and then, if I don't get it clear and I say, "God, uh, I'm slow of hearing, could you say it twice?" Go to First Thessalonians. 5:18, and be a great verse to have at your kitchen table or where you pay finances." 5:18," he says, Let's just pick up a verse 16. Rejoice always. Have you ever had family devotions and you're reading it? Rejoice always, children. <laughs> I mean, the tone tells you what's going on. Rejoice. or right. rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances or in all things. for. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Have you ever had anyone said, "Show me the will of God"? Start being thankful right now. Well, could you, is there another verse? I'm not ready to do that yet. What do you mean you're not ready for that yet? No, when things get better, I'll get thankful. You won't. Now, the things when things get better, you'll be more forgetful. Hard times. If you're ever going to be thankful, hard times. Other times, that will bring it out. When things get better, you'll be more forgetful. It's when pressure's on. What do you do when the pressure's on? In all things, give thanks. Because you belong to a father who has said, I am a planning God, and I have planned everything in your life. is going to work together for good because you've been called according to my purpose. So everything I bring in your life, and then you hear a man like this say, this is at at the graveside now. The Lord has given these 10 children, and the Lord has taken these 10 children. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job 121. Could you do your own children's funeral? Job had no one to bury his kids but him and a nagging wife who was telling him, curse God and die. I wouldn't serve a God that would let my kids die, all 10 of them. And he said, the Lord gave and the Lord could take away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I heard the funeral sermon of Evie Hill, who preached his own wife's funeral, and God gave him a marvelous wife. He said she was so creative, he came home one night and uh, had a candlelight dinner going. He said, oh, this is nice. This is wonderful. This is going to be a great night. Then he went into the bathroom, flipped on the switch, and no lights came on. And he said, "Uh, honey, uh, I thought this was all romance. He said, no, that little gas station you sunk all your money into has bellied up, and they've cut off our electricity. So, I thought we'd have a candlelight dinner. (laughs) And when uh, Black Panthers put it out on the streets, they went to kill him in L.A., shoeshine boy told him, they're looking for you, Evie. They're out to get you. And so he went to the Black Panther meeting and said, I hear you're looking for me. And uh, they said, we are. He said, you wear all these fine suits and you're a reverend and you're this and that. And he started telling them how many folks they fed and watched and uh, where he came from as a farm boy down in Sweet Home, Texas. And he said, one morning he got up and his wife wasn't there and he called her babe. And he said, babe, where are you? Where are you? About 30 minutes later, she, she came in. She's in her house robe. He said, where you been? She said, I just had to take the car for a drive. She said, I figured if there's a bomb in it, it'd be easier for me to go than you. You know, um, basically the Lord, and when he did the funeral, he did Job 1.21. The Lord gave babe, that's what he said. The Lord took her. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You can give thanks in all things. You can live on a lot less. And many are finding out in this economy we're living on less. This is the Great Depression for our generation. Anyone born after the 40s, this is the Great Depression. But to see, when do we give thanks? We are a thankful people all the time. And turn back. I know, see, this is topical. You need, your Bible needs to be broken in. You do it now. Psalms 107. Look at what he says here. Uh, if I'm not lost on this verse. No, it's back in Psalms 40. I'm going on my memory, and it's never worked right yet. Let's see. Uh, Oh, look at this. Uh, verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Talk about who should be praising the Lord and when. In all things. For all things, when I realize uh, I'm his, and here he says, God took him out of the mire and put him in the choir. He said, I was in the bog. I was mired down. In verse 3, when he got through with me, he had put a new song in my mouth. Only our God takes the redeemed from sinking and puts a song in the mouth. Guess who sings this? The redeemed. If you know the Lord, we're the 10% thankful people on the face of this earth. We ought to be singing it, shouting it, and just showing God we love him every way we can. Well, we're running out of time, so let me just give you, um, I'll stop with these. Let me show you ways to give thanks. There's some of you don't know. Say, well, I'm an introvert, and God never accepts the praise of introverts, you know, (laughs) as though we're all extroverts. Now listen to Psalms 150 and see if you can find a way in this psalm that you could give God thanks. Praise the Lord. Okay, praise the Lord. Just repeat. Okay, praise God in his sanctuary. Well, this isn't uh, the same, but we've dedicated this as a place of worship, so we're doing it the right place. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Well, that'd be spirit beings. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Do you know what God has done in history? That's why you ought to be wearing out a Bible, filling your mind full of sacred history. What has God done before you showed up? You know what? I watched a few ball games, but I'd hate to think that's my life. Watching teams that I don't even like lose or win. I don't have a team I'm for. 49ers. God have mercy on the Bay Area if that last game is indicative of the rest. Pray for them to come out of the slump. You didn't watch it, I could tell. Are <laughs> oh, you loyal fans? Uh, pray, praise him for his mighty deeds, praise him according to his excellent greatness. That's his attributes. N- name me five attributes of God. Go. Omniscient. I'm not present. Sovereign. Holy. Perfect. Eternal. Merciful. Okay. You know something. You've got enough right there to keep you busy for the first hundred years of eternity. Just start bragging on who your Father is and what He can do. His mighty deeds. Praise Him with trumpet sound. Uh, how many of you glad we don't have any trumpets? You think we're loud. We don't have any trumpets yet, but if you play, do it at home. And, and if we ever get horns, great. Praise him with lute and harp. That's our guitars. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Anybody here ever been in church where they play tambourine? I remember going to Jamaica Haiti, and Haiti. The only instruments we had was one guitar and a tambourine. Did you know you can praise God with a tambourine? Well, well, what's the melody line? Honey, forget it. Your voice is to make the melody. The tambourine is just a little rhythm. I was just with a bunch of Jews. They actually know how to dance. And I'm not talking about a club. I'm talking about in worship to God. Hard on you conservatives, especially with arthritis. <laughs> Praising with strings and pipes. Praising with sounding cymbals. Oh, how many would want to sit in the cymbal section? <laughs> boom, boom. Man, you want to hear the hallelujah chorus. They weren't all quiet tones when they got together. There was just crescendo, praising, praising him. Praising with sounding cymbals. Praising with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Find a way, sing, pray, tell him, respond. It just don't be passive. This is not spirituality biblically. Boy, we had a great worship service. No, that was comatose. You had a you had an intro to embalming. I mean, we weren't made to be just frozen. I mean, if you want that, you're going to love the cemetery. Nothing moves. Nothing moves. We are animated to give back to him in order, with our whole heart, with our whole being, however you do it, privately, sing to yourself, corporately, this is corporate praise, God wants his church to respond. And I'm always viewed as I'm getting over this hangover from my growing up. That He's still got these hang-ups. No, I'm not hung up. I'm freed up. I'm freed up. And I know I can worship God and say he's a great God. He's mighty. And I don't come to church to be inhibited. I'm free here. That's why I love to preach. I get to act this way. (laughs) I can only do it here, though. I always fly home. uh well, one other place we'll stop. How you could praise Him? Look at Hebrews, Hebrews 13. Peter said that we are priests that offer spiritual sacrifices. That means non-bloody. We don't kill animals. We don't wring the neck of birds. We don't do all the Levitical kind of offerings. We we offer up non-bloody sacrifices. Uh, Are you aware of this great truth of the Reformation, the priesthood of every believer? How many of you understand that phrase? Raise your hand if you understand that. Not many of you. The the priesthood, before the Reformation, in the 1500s, uh, you always went to a priest to do confession, uh, to do the service in Latin, Uh, He was the middleman that represented you to God. What was rediscovered in the Reformation was Peter, our first pope, said in 1 Peter 2, 5, we offer up spiritual sacrifices and we each one have become a priesthood and a holy kingdom of priests, which means every believer every believer in Christ has free access to God and there's only one man they go through to get to the Father. Jesus Christ, the mediator between God and men, 1 Timothy 2, 5. We have one mediator between us and God, the man, Christ Jesus. But you get to bring your own incense, praise. You bring your own body, you, bring, you get direct access to God with no middleman in between. Preachers are not middlemen. I'm not your priest. I can't worship for you. I can exhort you to worship, but I can't make you worship. And, and I don't ask you to come to me to confess your sins. I've had people so many years, there must be great relief in, depress, or in confession because I've had many people tell me more than I needed to know. I really mean it. I think over 40 years of things I've heard, but they were finding relief. I've had women walk in that had been involved in an affair 15 years before they ever met me and break down and tell me, and I thought, I, I don't need to know this, but they needed to because there's this craving for a middleman. The real middleman is Christ. But he says here, listen to what he says in Hebrews 13, verse 15 Through him, that is Christ, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise. When you praise God, when you extol the greatness of his deeds, the greatness of his person, his attributes, his being, uh, it's a sacrifice. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. So, offer praise, fruit that of the lips that acknowledge him, give thanksgiving. We don't neglect to do good, handing out a bunch of uh, turkey baskets. We're not trying to earn our way to heaven. It's just part of our priestly ministry to do good. Take, we're going to take an offering when I'm through this sermon. And you know what? We're, we're doing it as part of our priestly ministry. If you're not a believer, and you don't attend this church normally, please, please, uh, you don't participate in this offering. This offering is for us We call this our church home. Now, unless you're a Christian and you have big money. You're a Christian. Big money. Doesn't matter. The widow's mite is big when you give it in his name. And so we give not to earn our salvation, not to pay rent on heaven, but it's a part of the priestly makeup of believers. We want to give him thanks. We want to do good. We want to praise him for what he's done, for his deeds. What a God. Why will we not want to give thanks? Now, let me ask you this. How are you doing at this matter of thanksgiving? Uh, You know what I'd like for you to do? God knows what you're doing in private, but did you know your Sunday school teacher for your kids don't know it? Any of you people have your kids in our Sunday school? Uh, If your children are under five, I'm sorry, they just have not written an encouragement card to any of our teachers. Guess who should? You. Who else? Your kids can't say thank you yet. That takes maturity, doesn't it? Uh, Nursery, take care of my baby, do a good job. Oh. Yeah, that's why I'm not there. I'd give them back and you take care of them. <laughs> we didn't have nursery when we started this church. My wife was the nursery help. She did it. Yeah, we take everything. I'm entitled. If you want me in your church, you've got to really be good to me. Well, thanks for coming. How long have you been here? Ten years? How, how many of your kids have we helped to uh, reach for Christ? I think of Friday night, they had games, lockout, and the youth department was doing a Friday night out for the kids, going late at night. You know, we've got a youth group to die for. We have children's ministries to die for, and we love them. We love them. I think of of Ernie Sanchez, uh, one of our key uh, ushers and deacons here. You know what? He buries his wife on one day. I don't think he missed a week from being an usher. Uh, He didn't even miss the next week to Timothy. He said, can I stay home? I said, no. You got to be with us men. We won't let you drown in grief. You be with us men. He was there. Uh, See, do you ever say thank you to anybody horizontally? Thank you. An encouragement card. I mean, a Sunday school teacher. Did you know one of our greatest Sunday school teachers? I brag on him too much. Ron Hughes. Is, I mean, the other grades can't stand him. But whatever grade he does, they love him. (laughs) I mean, he's got these little kids; they run to him. Parents tell me, "It's why I know they love Mr. Ron." Mr. Ron, sixty years old, and not a twinkie. Believe me. Uh, Why does he do that? He's sure not doing it because the kids can give him anything. He's doing it because he loves the Lord and he loves kids. He really does. But we need to be a place that's not only vertically thankful, but uh, you ought to be thankful for the wife, the husband. You know, it does bother me. One thing does bother me in scripture. It never does say a good man is a gift from the Lord. <laughs> I don't have one verse on it. It makes me a little disgusted with it. Why? A good man's hard to find, too. Well, amen. Well, ushers come. While they're clapping, let's receive an offering. Go. Come, quick, hurry. They'll run out. Lock the back doors. Uh, We uh, we keep having the roller coaster in finances. One week, uh, we missed our budget uh, several weeks back by uh, $15,000. And uh, the next Tuesday in the mail, I believe it was, if I have the sequence right, uh, one of you sent us a seventy thousand dollar check, and it helped kind of balance out our our decline. And uh, I think we're going to finish the year in the black. But uh, you're either giving it to pastors' appreciation or or Saint Nick or something. Uh, We just we got four. Let's see, we've got five more weeks to the end of this year, and. God has done great things through you. We have a small, small pool of givers that keep this church going. I'm just praying for about a thousand of you that we give receipts that you'll get above $200 a year, that you'll learn to really make God first. You won't be able to count the blessing God will pour in your life. If you'll put His kingdom first, He'll see that He takes care of you. Our Father, we're thankful we have such a nice place to meet. Father, I've met in theaters, brush arbors, banana plantations in Haiti and Jamaica. I've met into a lot, lot of different places. Holy Ghost Hall wasn't anything to talk about neither was that dingy theater, but some way, somehow, you kept us together as a church. We're looking to you, Lord, to continue to supply. Uh, I, I haven't heard anything about the federal budget committee going to give us any help. They need help. Help our country. Help our people that are out of work. We got people in this church, Lord, for two to three years, they've been looking for work. Find people, people that are not crooks, people that are work hard, put in a good day's worth of work. It just, California's got a high unemployment. Can you keep sustaining us in a high unemployment state? Are your resources limited? Uh, do, just Texas? Is Texas the only place they can get money? Or do you have any Christians in California? that will put you first and give a thank you offering. Thank you, Lord, for my wife, for my children, for my health, for my job, for my finances, for my salvation. Thank you for my mama, my daddy. Thank you, thank you. It it goes on and on for enough strength to be here today. Oh, Lord, how good you have been to us as a people. Bring our boys back from war, Lord. Help us to get out of Afghanistan all the way out. Let us get out of Pakistan. Bring our boys back from Iraq. I pray for military families at this time of the year. Their wages don't make big Christmas holidays for the kids. And homesickness is is great. While they leave wives on bases to take care of children, and they sleep in a sleeping bag on a cold, cold field. I ask you to watch over our troops. I pray you'll bring them back like you did Tim, like you brought others back. Don't let us lose our sons and our daughters on that front. Father, help America. She's been brought to her knees economically. I would that she'd be brought to her knees spiritually, that she would repent of her sins and call on the name of the Lord. And to begin to give you thanks for all your mercies you've shown on us as a people. Bless your church wherever it is on this globe, China, South America, Africa, Europe, no matter where, Lord, India. Please bless your church wherever it is. Bless this offering. May Yeshua, our Messiah, be magnified through our giving.